Thank you, Jesus. Hey, happy Easter, guys. This is Easter. Man, this is, uh, honestly, I'm just being honest. This is my favorite Sunday of the year. It's my favorite Sunday. I get to see some faces I haven't seen that often. I know some people, uh, they just can't come to church week in, week out. They usually are able to make it on Easter. Some people make it a point to come on Easter. And if this is your first time in church in a while, man, I want to encourage you to, to come back. Come on back. Try to get in a habit of, of, of coming and worshiping with your brothers and sisters on Sundays. There's a Bible verse that says, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves. And, and listen, it's not because we need to be here to get into the gates of heaven. I'm telling you, God doesn't smile at church attenders more than he smiles at Christians that don't go to church. The reason we have church is simple. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. That's why we have this gift. We need to encourage each other. Man, we need to, to, to share the word with each other. We help, us get, we help each other get through things. I can't imagine going through some of the hard things that me and my family have been through in life without you guys, without some of y'all in here that have walked with us hand in hand and we've walked with each other through good times, through bad times, through hard times. And you're never alone. I'm telling you, if you find a home here at FCG, you will not be alone ever again. You will have a family. So you're welcome here. You're welcome here today and any other day, right? Amen. Amen. Say this again. We said this to start the service. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're in the right place today. All right. In case you didn't know that, now you know. Now put your hand on your heart. Say, I'm in the right place today. You are in the right place. Well, I got a message for you today. Today, Easter, this is the day we celebrate the empty tomb. Most of us in here probably know on Friday, Jesus was killed like a thief. He was hung on a cross between two other sinners. Not other sinners. He was not a sinner. He was hung on a cross between two sinners. He died a sinner's death, and then three days later, today, everybody that went to that tomb found it empty. There's so many of us that know Jesus as our Savior. He took the debt of sin from us. I'm going to talk about how he did it, why he did it, what he did. He took the debt of sin that we owed and he paid it himself. He took it to the grave. He rose again, gave us forgiveness, deliverance from our enemies, healing of our diseases. That's what the word salvation means. It doesn't just mean we get to go to heaven. That, we did a whole series on that. You can look back and listen to it. It's called sozo. It's a Greek word, four letters, S-O-Z-O. -O. But when you see the word salvation in the Bible, Especially in the New Testament, it means forgiveness of our sins, deliverance from our enemies, and healing from our diseases. We might know Jesus as Savior, but here's the question I want to ask today, and this is what we're going to get at. Do you know him as your Lord? Because Savior and Lord are two different things. You can know Jesus as your Savior, and you can spend eternity with him in heaven, but do you know him as your Lord? And let me tell you, if you don't now, you will one day. The Bible says that one day every knee shall bow. 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I believe there will be Christians one day that have never bowed the knee to Jesus until this day. Because you can recognize your need for a savior. Yes, I'm a sinner. According to the word, I have no place in heaven as a sinner, but I understand that Jesus came and died for those sins and forgave me. And now I get to be with him because he is my savior. But let me tell you, he is worthy of being the Lord of your life. And I can tell you one thing, he'll be a better Lord of your life than you'll be of your own life, right? If we just decide to surrender to him and give him lordship, it will change everything about your life. Lord means master. Lord means the person you run things by. This is what I'm thinking about. Have conversations with. He's not a Lord. He's not a cruel master. He's not the kind that just tells you what to do. And if you don't line up with him, he says, get with it or get out. No, he's the kind of Lord that invited us over and over again into relationship and conversation. He says he does what he sees the father do. And we know that the father in heaven is a good father. And if you had a good father, you know that there was times he had to tell you exactly what needed to happen because you just were maybe young, inexperienced, didn't know. But if you live long enough and your father lived long enough and he was a good father, there was a time period probably, maybe you're in it right now, where you've been invited into a different kind of relationship with him. One that maybe is a little bit more like conversations, even a little bit more like partnership. But Jesus is not the cruel master or Lord of your life that says, get in line or get out. No, he wants relationship. He wants conversation. He actually told his disciples in the context and within the context of friendship, he said, ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. You know, there's things I don't ask of my friends because I know that it's not within their nature. But when I know somebody and we have conversations, I know I can call Will anytime and he'll be there. And I know he can call me anytime and I'll be there. Jesus is the Lord that is more interested in friendship and relationship than being a cruel master. The law was a cruel master. Jesus is a kind savior. And when you make him Lord of your life, man, you'll be so happy you did. I want to talk about a few things that that he went through uh, during his, his time on earth, but especially those three days where he died and then what happened for three days. We'll talk about it a little bit. And then as he resurrected. And my hope is that once we talk about these things, there's going to be something inside of you. If you've never said yes to him as my savior, you'll have that chance. And if you've never said yes, it's time that I involve you in my life. It's time that I involve Jesus in everyday decisions. It's time I bring him into my work. It's time that I bring him into my relationship with my wife, my kids, my family, my friends. Man, my prayer is that that is what you are inspired to today as well. This is one of the things I want to start with. Jesus, uh, there's this, there's this uh, understanding that's a wrong understanding that so many people in the world have. And you hear this phrase, if God's so loving, if Jesus is so loving, why does he send people to hell? 
Well, the whole question is wrong. Listen, people were on the way to hell without Jesus. We were on our way there because of sin. He's a savior that comes and steps in and saves us from our own trip we decided to take to hell. He does not bring death, he brings life. Sin brought death, and that was not his choice. That was humanity's choice. So we're gonna look at a text here, Philippians chapter two, verses five through 11. Paul is writing from a prison. I always like to mention that when I talk about Philippians. He's writing from a prison about Jesus, about what he did when he was here on earth, why he did it. You must, this is the text here, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. I know we talk about this a lot. We even sang about it. He was born as a baby in a manger. But have you thought about what it really means? He is God, yet he gave up the unending, unlimited quality of being God and limited himself to a body made of flesh and blood for 33 years. He limited himself. He didn't just want to come save humanity without experiencing what we experience, suffering what we suffer. He suffered with us. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through. When Ava was little, my daughter, who will be 16 in like a week, which I don't know how that's possible. I guess when I think about it, it doesn't seem possible. But when I talk to her and get a little... You get a little attitude every once in a while. You're like, oh, this is definitely possible. You're definitely 16, almost. I don't mean to throw under the bus. She's a great kid. And she's a really good driver. My kid's a good driver. That makes me happy. She likes driving us everywhere. When she was younger, there was this moment. Um, she's a bit stubborn. Well, that's not the right word. She has leadership qualities. <laughs> Ava... She acts like me. Yeah, right. She acts like you. She, my wife just said, she acts like you. Ava has leadership qualities that are, let's just say, a little stronger than some other kids exhibit. And they've always been like that. How many parents have a kid like that? You can put your hand up. All right? They got the leadership qualities. That's what we'll call it. Uh, there was one day, she was, I don't know, three or four. And it was one of those things, I don't know, she wasn't listening. I had to tell her a few times, hey, stop doing this, stop doing this. Finally, I looked at her and I said, Ava, if you don't stop, you're going to have to go sit and time out for five minutes. And for whatever reason, this, this one time, this was probably the worst of all the times. I mean, she just, she, maybe she was tired and grumpy. I don't know. She screamed. She was pitching a fit. And so I, I picked her up gently, and I walked her over to time out, and I sat down with her. And I said, hey, how about this? because I had to get this in. I couldn't just let her off the hook, right? So I said, let's sit and time out together. I'll sit here with you. I'll tell you a story. Well, just let me say, she wasn't having that either. However, what I'm trying to say, and the point is, I was willing to sit there and suffer with her for five minutes just so she could pay the penalty and move on, right? This is a little bit like Jesus. He, I, didn't, I wouldn't even have hated it. I would have enjoyed my time sitting with her and telling the story. This is a little bit like Jesus. He didn't just say, listen, here, you guys pay the punishment because there was a way you could pay the penalty for your sins in the Old Testament. I'm going to get to that. But he didn't want us just to pay the price and move on. He wanted to come and suffer with us, experience what we experience, and then as a perfect man, take on the punishment that every sinner deserves and not just pay the price, but overpay the price. 
He suffered with us. He knows what you've been through. He gave up his unlimited divinity and limited himself to a human body. But don't forget, yes, he was fully God, yet the Bible also says he was fully man. I know this is crazy, I guess, if you never heard it, but I want you to hear this. There's nothing you saw Jesus do on earth that you, filled with the Holy Spirit, cannot do. I know you're like, well, I can't walk on water. Are you sure? I mean, I don't know. Go give it a try. I can't heal the sick. Well, the Bible says that if you believe these signs will follow you, you will heal the sick. Have you ever prayed for somebody? Have you ever laid your hands on somebody who was sick? Give it a whirl. You can do everything Jesus did and said. In fact, Jesus said, you'll even do greater things than you've seen me do. That's in the Bible. Read your Bible. You'll hear some cool stuff. He died a sinner's death, and he cleared the path to God. You know, the song we were singing, it says the darkest day in history. You know, it actually physically was. When Jesus died, it says the entire earth went dark for moments. The entire earth all over went dark. He died, and, and, and there was a temple. We're going to get into this. In the Old Testament, when Moses and the children of Israel were around, uh, this was before Jesus lived, and there was a way... A, a ceremony they had to go through to receive forgiveness of their sins, okay? So they, uh, there was, have you ever heard of, of Jesus called the Lamb of God? In fact, John looked at Jesus when he first saw him, uh, when he first saw him as, after Jesus started his ministry, and John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was referring to an Old Testament ceremony. So this is what it looked like. There was a priest, kind of like a preacher, but he was a priest, and every family in Israel would bring a lamb from their flock to the priest that was called a sin offering. So sin has always been a problem since Adam and Eve it separated us from God. In fact, in the temple, the Bible says the presence of God. Have you ever heard of the Ark of the Covenant? It was in a room called the Holy of Holies, and the presence of God hovered over that ark. And the Bible says that was like something physical you could see. It wasn't just a feeling. It was something you could see. A tangible presence of God hovered over that ark. So that curtain that separated the people, the common people, the priest, from that place of God's presence, when Jesus died, was also, this is a cool miracle too, torn in half from the top to the bottom. It would have maybe been possible to tear it as a person from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom, that veil torn, and the path to the presence of God was clear. That curtain represented our sin. In the Old Testament, for a family to become clean of their sins, they would bring a lamb, and it had to have no spot, no blemish to the priest. And the priest would sacrifice that lamb, but the ceremony looked a little bit like this. The leader of that household, the husband, would come and represent all the sins the family had committed. He would then place his hand on the head of the sheep, the lamb, and the priest would pray, and the sins of the family would transfer, maybe it was symbolic, maybe there was something more to it, but would transfer from that man into the lamb. And then it would be like none of those sins had been committed. Then the lamb that carried the sins of that family would be slaughtered after the priest examined it. And as the priest examined the lamb, he would say, the lamb is without spot or blemish. And if the lamb didn't have spot or blemish, he was sacrificed. And it was like all the sins of that family were sent to the grave with that lamb. And the family was clean. That was a ceremony they had to go through all the time in the Old Testament. It was a constant thing. Yet Jesus, the lamb of God, 
who was worthy to be slain without spot or blemish because as a man, he had every opportunity to commit and to fall to every sin we commit and every sin we fall to. Yet he was without spot and without blemish. And there on the cross, I don't know, maybe when it went dark, but there was a time, there was a moment when all the sins of the world, yours and mine, were transferred into his body. And as he gave himself up as a sacrifice, he took those sins to the grave. And God, the high priest, examines him and says, is the lamb without spot or blemish? And if the answer is yes, you and I are in good standing. Do you know he died once and for all? He's known as the final sacrifice. Before he died, he said, it is finished because there doesn't need to be any more sacrifice of sheep or lambs or goats or anything else. Because we have a high priest, we have a father in heaven who still examines the lamb. And we come to him, remember the story of the priest. He didn't examine the person. The person was sinful. He didn't look at the person and say, listen, are you good? Have you committed sins today? Have you made good decisions? No, he looked at the lamb and he said, is this lamb worthy? Is this lamb without spot or blemish? If the answer was yes, the person would then be in good standing with God. If you are a believer, if Jesus is your savior, let me tell you, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've been like. If he's your savior and you go to God and you might have this feeling, well, I'm unworthy. How does God even listen to me? Does he even know I'm here? He's not examining you. He's examining the lamb. That's what it means that Jesus's righteousness was accounted to us. On your best day, you had open access to God. And on your worst day, you had open access to God. If not, how could he even hear you as a sinner? Say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Forgive my sins. You weren't clean when you did that, yet he heard you. He hears you because he examines the lamb for spot or blemish, not you, not me. And that is good news. That is very good news. He examines the lamb. Is the lamb still worthy? And the price Jesus paid for our sins as a perfect man was overpaying. Let me tell you, if, if you transferred, if you like conversions, right? Like how many uh, meters are in a cent, whatever, all that stuff. Let's, let's use a little conversion table. I don't have anything prepared. But if we converted sins to dollars, let's just say we owed a million dollars for our debt. Jesus laid down and paid like a hundred million dollars. He overpaid the price. The repo man is not coming anywhere near you. And let me tell you, the devil is actually a whole lot like a repo Repo man. Have you ever, you don't have to raise your hand. I was going to say, you ever had anything repossessed? <laughs> Actually, who wants to be bold? And be, no, don't do it. Don't do that. Well, this is how it works. I know from television. Let's just say you take out a loan and you want to go buy a car. And the bank really owns that car until you pay off that loan. You're driving it, right? One day you might own it, but if you stop paying the bank, the repo man's going to come to your house. He's going to get that car and take it away. Because if you stop making payments, you will quickly realize it was never yours to begin with. It belongs to the bank. You don't pay them, they're going to take it away. If you can't pay the price, it's gone. However, you know, you don't have to be the person to actually pay the bill. Anybody can pay the bill. If the bank gets their money, they don't care. They don't want the car. They want your money. The devil had open access to humanity through sin. 
That's how he got access. You know that? He, he got any authority he had from Adam and Eve. In fact, he stole his authority from humans. He had no authority. We were the ones who were set to run the earth, yet through sin, he stole authority from humanity. Jesus came, took that authority back, and then gave it to all of us. So when he shows up and he says, you owe me a price, you're a sinner, you owe me now, I'm going to heap some, you're going you're to pay me back in guilt, I'm going to make you feel shame, you're going to pay me back by, by, by whatever it is, I'm going to make you feel bad, I'm going to make you down, I'm going to make you depressed, I'm going to make you hurt. That's how he tries to get his payments. However, we need to remind him and ourselves, wait a second, I actually don't owe you anything. My debt has been paid. This isn't yours anymore. My life belongs to somebody else. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus, the spotless lamb that overpaid the price for my sins. He has no right, the enemy, to come and take anything from you anymore because the bill has been paid. We're going to go back to our text here in Philippians. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That's what we just talked about. A perfect man died a criminal's death. He chose to do that. When John looked at him prophetically and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So he stretched out his arms, he died. I mentioned this last week, I'm gonna mention it again. No human killed Jesus. Yes, they may have been the vehicle. He, he, yes, they hung him on the cross, yet he, the Bible says, gave up his own spirit. He looked up and after he said, my father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says, it is finished. He breathed his last and he gave up his spirit. When I was younger, I used to always wonder what happened during those three days and Maybe we don't know what happened exactly during every second of those three days, but we do know one thing from a text here in, in uh, Colossians. Paul wrote this again, Colossians 2.15. He says, in this way, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In the King James, it says he made an open show of them. And this is one of my favorite things to talk about. If you've been here for a year or more, you've probably heard me talk about it before. But this is one of my favorite things to talk about. The word open show, this phrase is a military word that the Roman army would use. When the Roman army would take over, would capture, would, 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 would fight a kingdom in battle and win, they would then, after the victory, make an open show of the ruler. What that meant was they would march into the throne room, wherever the enemy king was. They would completely disarm him. They would strip him naked. They would take his crown. They would tie him up and they would parade him through the streets of his own kingdom as a defeated enemy. That's the word that Paul says. That's what Jesus did for three days. He didn't get tortured in hell. He didn't, that didn't happen. He made an open show of the devil. That's what that means. He stripped him of his authority and then paraded him around somehow as a defeated enemy. That's what the apostle Paul says. He made an open show of the devil. And for some reason, we let this defeated, stripped, tied up enemy still somehow intimidate us. Somehow we still at times let him talk and believe his lies. Yet if we can maybe just see him 
If you could maybe just picture who it is in front of you saying, you're never going to get this right. You'll never be okay with your family. You'll never be in good standing. You'll always be poor. You'll always be sick. You'll always be broke. God isn't listening to you. All these lies that he throws at you, the only way they can intimidate you is if you let them in because he has no authority on his own. He has been stripped bare. He has no more authority over you. Yet so many times in life, we allow those lies to have a place instead of responding and saying, hang on, this is a lie and I don't have to buy it anymore because my debt has been paid. Colossians chapter 2, 13 through 14, this actually tells us how he paraded it. This tells us about that open show he made of the devil. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Here it is. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. See what that means is every bit of power they had was through and because of our sin. Yet when our sin was taken away, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly or made an open show of them by his victory on the cross. I love what Paul wrote in Corinthians. He says that if the devil knew what he was doing, he would have never killed Jesus. He would have never been sneaking in that crowd saying, give us Barabbas. He would have never done it. This is from 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 8. It says, no, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. They didn't understand it. Do you know as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, there was a plan in motion for Jesus to come and give up his life for our sins? Do you remember when God found Adam and Eve in the garden? He knew they had sinned and he looked at the serpent and he says, hey, on your, you'll crawl on your belly from now on and the seed of a woman will crush your head. Do you not think... This is the thing. I don't, I don't think that the devil, I don't think that demons can understand the word of God. I, I know the only reason we can is because the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We can't even understand the word in our own humanity. I told you all this last week, but Jesus told the disciples when he was in the flesh, he said, there's a whole lot of things I'm not telling you because you just aren't going to understand it until you're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Well, we know the devil is not filled with the Holy Spirit. As soon as he convinced Adam and Eve to sin, God literally tells him, this is how I'm going to defeat you. The seed of a woman, a, a, a man born of a virgin, will crush your head. And that never occurred to him as Jesus is walking around the earth. And here's, here's the rumors. He, he was born of a virgin. Is he, is, is he our Messiah? Is he the one that's going to come? Yet he led him straight to the cross, completely doing the will of God. And had he known, according to Paul, he would have never done it. Why? Because he was leading what he thought was Jesus to his grave, but he was really just digging his own grave. He's digging his own grave. David wrote this in Psalms. He says that the trap the enemy has set for me, he's been caught in himself. Doesn't that sound like what just happened? The trap the devil set for Jesus, Jesus went to willingly. 
because really in the end it was just a trap the devil set and fell in himself. Yet, yet as believers, we can, we can completely make Jesus our Savior. We can say, yes, I believe in you. I understand I have a need for a Savior. Yet when we reject his Lordship, let me tell you, we are so much more susceptible to the lies of this defeated enemy. We are so much more likely to fall to the schemes of an enemy who's facing us but has no authority. When Jesus rose from the dead, when he came out of the tomb, what we are celebrating today, what we sang about today, he didn't just rise from the dead and say, look, here I am, just so you, just, I wanted to prove it, I'm God, you didn't know it, but here I am. No, he rose from the dead with a mission, just like he went to the cross with a mission and a purpose. He rose from the dead with a mission and a purpose. He left all those sins in the grave. He left sickness and disease down there. He rose in a glorious body that, that was evidently a little bit at least unrecognizable because at least the first few people that saw him didn't even realize it was Jesus, even though they knew him. He had to say, look, it's me, before they realized it was him. He rose from the dead, and then as he ascended to the Father, he said, I'm going to send you the same Holy Spirit that lives in me to live in you. The things you saw me do, you can do. The things I told you you can do, you can do. The Holy Spirit is going to be inside of you as a helper. He will be inside of you to give you direction, to bring you peace, to, to give you joy. The same way I existed here on earth for these 33 years, now you have a chance to. His mission was to give us back the authority and the power that Adam and Eve gave up in the garden. And it was the plan from the very beginning. But there's a whole lot of us that are still living like maybe he's our savior, yet you're at, you're at complete What's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're at uh, the enemy just, you're letting him steal everything you got. You're letting him lie to you. You're taking him and you're at his mercy. Even though it was the mercy of Jesus that gave us that power and authority back. You don't have to let him have any place in your life. You don't have to let him have any place in your family. And you know what? Saying yes to Jesus as your savior, that's a great start but you can live your life, eternity life, and eternity starts the second you say yes. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to live in power. You don't have to wait till you, till you get to heaven to live in peace and in joy. You can have that right now. You know, you won't read about any of the disciples and the apostles living their lives all depressed, even though so many of them knew that eventually they would be martyred. They still lived and experienced joy. Paul wrote, all these scriptures about joy, most of them from the depths of a prison. But here's, here's a benefit you have that some don't. There was two thieves on the cross beside Jesus. And I love this story because they're both at one point cursing him and, and screaming at him just like the crowd, right? However, one of them somehow has a change of heart. And he looks at Jesus while nailed to a cross and he just says, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus just says, yes, today you'll be with me in paradise. This is why I love that. Can you imagine? This guy uh, never said the sinner's prayer. He knew nothing about uh, theology. 
He didn't know, uh, he didn't have time to, to understand even the things we're talking about today. I'm a sinner, but however you're taking the price, you're, you're, you're paying for my sin right now. He didn't understand all that. Can you imagine he gets to heaven and, and, and whoever's there starts asking him questions? So when did you uh, say the prayer? When did you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I don't know. What do you know about, um, what theology do you know? Who do you, what, what, what do you follow? Do you understand? I don't know. Well, why are you here? Well, that guy said I could come. That guy said I could follow him here. Listen, you can wait until you get there to experience all these great things. But let me tell you, you don't have to. You have power and authority now. John, 1 John 4, 17 says, As Jesus is, so are we in this world. We don't need to read the story of Jesus and think, man, if only, if only I could have been like one of those disciples, if only I could be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to do the things I saw him doing. I want to say the things I saw him say. I want to love people the way he loved people. But what I need to get out of my head is not that, well, he did it because he's Jesus and not, and I can't do it because I'm just me. No, you're just like him. He gave you the Holy Spirit and he did everything he did to spread a message and to, to, to give an invitation to the world through his people that they don't have to live the way they're living. They don't have to give in to an enemy that is in front of them lying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you don't know the difference between a lie of the enemy and the truth of God, you've got to get into the word and read it for yourself. You're not going to get it from a Sunday message. You're not going to get it from your favorite preacher if you listen to him every day like you can get it from the word. Jesus is God. Read the story. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read it every day. And when you see Jesus interact with people, remember and realize that that's the way he responds to you and that now you have open access to God just like he did because he overpaid the price for your sin. And on your worst day, when you go to God and there is a voice saying, he's not listening, don't you remember you made that big mistake this morning? You got mad at the family and blew up. You looked at something you weren't supposed to look at last night. You've been watching movies you shouldn't be watching. You've been cheating on your taxes. I don't know, it's tax day coming up. Whatever it is he throws in your face, there might be a price to pay here on earth. I don't know, the tax man shows up sometimes too. But you got to remember that the price between you and God has been paid. And say out loud to those lies, no. No, I'm not receiving you because I have access to the Father. God hears me right now because I had a debt and I did owe something I couldn't pay, yet Jesus paid it. I've come to repossess this moment. I've come to take your joy. I've come to take your peace. I've come to take your hope. No, sir, the price for my joy and my peace and my hope has been paid by Jesus. You've got to remind yourself. You've got to remember that. You don't have to wait until it's too late or until all this is in the past to experience what Jesus paid for for you to have right now. You have access to the Father. I'm telling you, you're going to take a big step when you take a minute and, and ask yourself, 
Is Jesus my Savior? If the answer is yes, here's the next question. Have I made him my Lord? Have I bowed the knee to him now? Just like you don't have to wait until heaven to experience joy, peace, to experience hope. You don't have to wait until you get there until that day we read about where every knee will bow. And we can bow right now. We can invite Jesus into every situation. There's a lot of times that we don't invite him to be Lord because we think I'm too dirty. I'm too wrong. I've made too many bad decisions. He wouldn't be a part of this life if I begged him to. He did it without you asking. He did it without you begging. He's there whether you like it or not. So just involve him. Involve him in your life. Involve him in your decisions. Involve him in raising your kids. Lisa tells this story all the time, but even as as new parents, especially as a new mom, Lisa would, you know, as you're struggling, figuring out how to raise kids, man, there was so many times, instead of referring to uh, what to expect when you're expecting or one of these great books that we always had, she would just pray, Holy Spirit, help me with these kids. Help me, give me revelation. And the Holy Spirit would, would speak to Lisa and even tell her, things on how to get our kids to sleep through the night. I know Brittany and Will, who we're very close to, uh, have have the same type of testimonies with with Jolene. Man, he is not withholding information from you. He's not staying far away. You can invite him into every situation, even the ones that are wrong. Even when you've messed up, Jesus is not hiding his face. The Holy Spirit isn't turned away. He'll help you in the middle of all of it. He'll lead you right out of it, not into anything else. He'll lead you out of it without ever judging and saying, well, now you've gone and done it. I mean, just about every Christian says, yeah, I believe God sees everything. He's everywhere all at once. If he's already in the moment, if he's already right there with you, sometimes all we have to do is realize it. Invite him to be Lord of our life in that moment. And it will change everything about your life. Amen? I'm going to invite the band to come up. So if if you're new here or if you haven't been here that often, we always like to respond to the word uh, with worship. I think there's no better response than just lifting up our hands, lifting up our voices and responding to uh, the word that we've heard with thankfulness and open heart. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we close. Well, Easter 2023, I believe... If you'll allow the Lord to move on your heart, this can be a day that you go back to in your mind and it becomes an altar. In the Old Testament, every time God would do something great in somebody's life, he would tell them, build an altar. So every time you're back in this place, you can remember what I did right here. I believe Easter 2023 can be like that for you.